Do you enjoy rom-coms, small towns, family drama laced into a story with lots of depth and meaning to it? Then I think that you're going to enjoy this interview with a very special returning author guest. This is Nicole, and welcome back to the Unending TBR podcast. This week, I am so excited to welcome back to the podcast, Jessica Kate. Thank you for coming back again. Thank you for having me again. I'm so excited. Now, I am so excited for you because we get to, like, we have insight the release for your next romantic comedy book. Mm -hmm. Love the title. I'm so excited about this one. Can you share with the listeners the inspiration behind this, your latest rom-com novel? Oh, it's a good one. It's always tricky to nail the inspiration really down to anything too narrow. Um, but I did have the, well, I remember having the idea for Drive You Crazy. I was tidying up this room, which is my office, and um, trying to think of books that I could write that would be shorter than the ones I normally do. There was like a series I wanted to take part of that was like a sort of a 60,000 word book thing. And I thought, oh, this idea of, you know, these two neighbors who one loves small towns and the other ones can't wait to get out and they have to carpool for months just kind of came as that package idea. And it, um, my other books have all had like strong subplots, you know, Girls Guide to the Outback had Jules' whole story. And I thought, well, this one doesn't have a, an extra story. So it will be easy to keep this story to 60,000 words. 95,000 words later, I had to <laughs> not be a part of the collection because I knew the story would never fit. And I would be done at least a year after their due date, which I was. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, that, that was where the nugget started, I guess. Okay. Oh, I love it. Um, and I mean, that whole idea, I remember when you were kind of like giving us like little teasers about it being characters that are forced to carpool. I mean, in a car, you can't escape, which, you know, <laughs> who doesn't love a little forced proximity? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and with your love of... I hate to love <laughs> or <laughs> like oh this is gonna be good <clears throat> so how do you how did you really approach this project creating like memorable and relatable characters in the rom-com mm -hmm. I mean I'm glad that they feel memorable and relatable when people say that it's kind of always like oh phew it's a relief <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that happened <laughs> um so I mean the memorable part I don't really know I feel like that for people is sort of if they see themselves in the characters or not which I mean almost sort of comes down to life experience and personality are you kind of going through anything like what these characters are um and I do try and sort of tie it back down to you know kind of interrogating you know why are you doing this thing character until it gets down to something like them not feeling loved in some sort of situation or having some sort of insecurity so I guess that drives it down to a, a level that's a lot more universal hopefully um, so that is one thing and relatable I just kind of have a impulse in my stories that nothing can be too perfect um, <laughs> so 
anytime there's a temptation to put a neat little bow on something, I usually have a gremlin in my mind saying, uh, 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 it's not all going to work out. Um, and sort of just little details like that, um, little things like Justin gets migraines and they're sort of, it was just a way I try and sort of have something in each book that keeps them a little bit more grounded so that someone can look at it and go, oh, look at that. These are romance characters, but they're dealing with this thing that I'm dealing with. Um, so hopefully that helps with the related feeling. Yeah, and I think when you said um, about how it's like, okay, that that want to be loved or feel like they're unseen or, you know, all those different things, those are such human ex- uh, human experiences across the board, I feel. Like, it's like everybody at some point in time in their life is going to feel a bit of that. So I feel like even though their circumstances can be completely different, they could be living on a different planet, but, um, but those little pieces of things that we can for some reason, all relate to. So, So, in your opinion, from like what you've kind of like observed, because I feel like rom-coms in the book world have really taken a really Mm -hmm. grip. They have a really grip on the reader community. Excuse me. What do you feel distinguishes a great romantic comedy from others in the genre? Oh, I mean from I am someone who finds it hard to um, publicly say I think this is a quality like this is a great rom-com and this is a rubbish one because my personal tastes are so strong and they don't always line up with what you know the industry is like this is the great thing and that's that so I find it hard to separate my um you know there's one reason why I could never be an editor is if it's not in my very little specific niche of what I like then I'm like nah it's rubbish (laughs) so all I can really say is what makes me love a rom-com and um I mean all the rom-coms I've been loving lately are you know Catherine Senner, Emily Henry, people who write romance that um, has deeper themes in it. Usually a character is growing and learning about themselves and usually learning how to find, particularly Catherine Center, like joy in tough circumstances, which is things I've in every book that I absolutely love. Uh, and so, and, but they do it without taking themselves too seriously and they can have a little giggle here and there. And, um, you know, it's, it's not angsty, even though they're dealing with some heavier themes. Um, so yeah, those are pretty much all my top, and and it seems to be a type of rom com that's really doing well right now. Like a lot of the top authors um, have that kind of thing in it, and so I'm just really loving the trends right now. Well, I feel like it goes to speak about like, okay, yes, we want the romantic comedy in there, but we do want something else to kind of make it, I don't know, make it stick, for a lack of a better <laughs> term, like. You want them to be dealing with multiple things in their lives, not just that. It's not just the will they, won't they get together. It's Mm -hmm. you want to see them overcome other things in their lives too. So Mm -hmm. very much. So as a writer, how do you feel you balance that that humor, that comedy element with like emotional depth and other elements of the story into your work. Mm-hmm. 
It's not one that I would say I do consciously. This is probably just it ends up being my style or personality or whatever comes naturally. But um, I think my plots are always driven by, you know, what is holding the characters apart in my books is never a villainous stepmother or an evil boss or anything like that. It's the character's own insecurities uh, and they're going to have to work through that before they get together and there's always some family drama accompanying that because that's sort of where they got them from. Um, and so they're always working through that. So my plot is often driven by, you know, what is going to poke this person's insecurity the most or what's going to help heal it and that drives what's happening in the story. But as for the actual words and sort of the thoughts going through the character's head, I just kind of try and take any opportunity I can to take a little bit of fun or, you know, be a little bit dry and <laughs> not take themselves too seriously. So um, they're a little bit self-deprecating, I guess. So I hope that that gives it a nice little balance. It makes it hard to describe my books to, you know, random people I meet. They're like, oh, what's your right? I'm like, well... If I say rom-com, people be people tell me I'm surprised at how much you know drama there was. And if I say you know family drama, romance, they go, oh, I didn't expect it to be funny. So it, it's both, guys. It's both. <laughs> both, yeah. <clears throat> no, that is that is definitely an element of yours. And I remember you were like one of the first really like rom-com artist uh, authors that I read. Like when it was coming into the the Christian fiction um, market and it was like oh it's fun because you get that that story about seeing these characters go through you know tough or tricky circumstances but you also get the humor too which it's like in an action movie I love humor in any kind of thing it's like there I love having those nuggets of humor in order to be able to like get you through even the tougher stuff so mm -hmm. I'm glad <laughs> I'm also just relieved when people do find me funny. <laughs> I'm like, I think, oh, is it just me? <laughs> but then other people do too. I'm like, oh, well, it's not. <laughs> no, that that is, I can imagine that that's a hard element to do because there's so many different types of humor. It, even in mm. the wrong time, it's like you have some that are like purely more on the slapstick side and then mm. others who aren't and it's just funny how some people will like absolutely crack up laughing with the other ones and other people can like read it through with a straight face and not you know bust bust a grin you know so. <laughs> it's funny so like let's dive into a little bit tell me about like tell me about drive me crazy as if I haven't heard about it before like what do you want your listeners to know about this book going in so Drive You Crazy is about two neighbours who drive each other crazy and then uh, circumstances, which um, I always just say circumstances because it's too hard to explain on the back of the book, but let me tell you because it is a little bit exciting. He drops a tree on her car. <laughs> I do have to credit my ex-boyfriend with that idea. This is the only time and place where I will credit him with anything, but he was the one who had the idea being a volunteer firefighter to drop a tree on the car. It was a good one, so I kept it. Um, and so they have the carpool. He owes her, you know, a way to get around and he can't get her car fixed any faster. It's a small town. There's a big backlog. There's parts that are going to ship in, all sorts of things. And so they have to drive around this small town together 
and um, her newspaper is going broke because his extended family's boycotting it and he's fairly well estranged from them, so there's lots for them to talk about. <laughs> Definitely seems like multi-layered, a lot of tension going on from all different kinds of directions. Mm-hmm. There is, and it's Grumpy Sunshine, which was really fun to write. It's the first time I've really done Grumpy Sunshine, even though I love the trope. So I had a lot of fun playing up the differences between them, even just visually. So she's the sunshine, he's grumpy? Is that she's it, or... sunshine, yeah. You can tell on the cover she's wearing a bright yellow oh, vest exactly. and he wears all black all the time. Uh, so even that was just really fun to describe. She nicknames him Dracula. Um, the first scene where they meet, he does appear uncannily like a vampire wearing it's just his like bathrobe, but it's like flapping like a cape. And I was just giving him the whole time I was doing that. <laughs> Well, and I guess this is a thing where they kind of have a little bit of knowledge of each other. How is that kind of like to write a meet cute where you want to establish the things, you know, for the readers, this is the first time that they're seeing them interact. How do you feel like that's kind of, you know, different from writing meet cutes where they don't know each other? Well, this was actually the first book I've written where they did not have a long history together. You know, a lot of other mistakes. They were ex-fiancés, Girls Guide to the Outback, they were ex-workmates. Yeah. And this one, the first scene is the first time they've ever met each other. They've just sort of seen each other coming and going from the house a little bit. And then I jump forward a few months, or about seven months. So then they've sort of had these seven months of irritating each other, living next door. So even though it was the first time I've done it with no history, I immediately built history into it because I just love people with history. There's so much fun stuff you can play with. Yeah. No, and I feel like you do that really well with like the <laughs> hate to love or d strong dislike to love and all that because it's like, okay, they need to have like a reason or some sort of track record to make it like, okay, they really do not get along together. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's always fun how you do that. Um, <laughs> but... So what do you feel are like are very specific themes and messages you aim to convey through Drive You Crazy? Is a lot of it through like the family drama that you feel like that comes to play or what? How would mm -hmm. you the word aim is interesting because I don't go into a story really ever with knowing what uh, the message is going to be. I kind of, I start with, what they're insecure about or at least what one of them is insecure about and I might often sort of figure out the other one as I go I felt like I didn't really nail Justin until one of the final drafts about what exactly it was that really got between him and his family even though I sort of knew the broad strokes um so I sort of just start with like yeah this is their problem and then I kind of need to dig and work out what is you know how are they going to handle it what is the answer to this um I mean it's always some variation of being secure in God's love or something like that <laughs> being a Christian novel but um but everybody knows God loves them and, and like they say in the book very few people act like it so you've got to really dig down to like why is this person struggling with that and what is going to speak to them specifically to you know bring about some kind of change so and, I, that and I, is, hmm. I was talking with another author too and how we were talking about how you know even though 
you know, we're saved and we know these things and we've heard these things and we may have learned it at one time, um, how easy it is for those like insecurities or those false beliefs to sneak in like around the edges. And it's something that we think that we have under control and we think we've mastered, but it's like, oh, God needs to work on me on this. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it's not at the edges. Sometimes it's smack bang in the middle, which is kind of, I think, Justin's realization through the story is he's someone who hates being controlled and realizes he was letting things control him all the way through so that was fun too fun to write (laughs) I did also have to live some of the things before like some of the events that happened in my life and some of the ways I end up resolving it were things that happened in my real life that hadn't happened yet in the first draft and a half of the book and so the end of it only ever really came together after I kind of (laughs) lived a bit more is it like living the cliche of how the artist has to suffer (laughs) sometimes (laughs) Oh my goodness. So how do you feel like you are navigating of keeping your stories fresh and, you know, with your own unique twist in a genre with like very well-established tropes and everybody kind of like expects certain things? Do you just kind of like, are you just very much an instinctive story? Like, it sounds like a lot of your stuff just kind of, you don't you not plot it as much and you don't worry about that you just let the story come or what's kind of your approach I know the broad strokes going in and I try to know the character's insecurity and I think each book I write I try harder to know the insecurity better this one I did not have this this has been a three-year process I did not have it sketched out well enough before I started (laughs) part of why it took so long I mean all my books actually have really taken two or three years I'm just slow (laughs) But it, I do kind of plot a lot as I go along. I will just plan out like the next three scenes in a lot of detail. Um, and as I'm doing that, I'm, really, I'm not actually thinking about fresh or unique consciously. Um, again, I'm glad it comes across that way. <laughs> I'm really just thinking about, um, you know, what's going to be interesting to me as a reader. And uh, hopefully there are other people out there who like reading the same things that I do. And so, and but I am also someone who likes to flip things, I guess, as my um, friend and critique partner, Haley, has <laughs> pointed out. We have some different styles. Um, and while I will often have things um, a little more unusual, like I like to sort of take the normal trope and make it the opposite of that because it's often funny and yeah. it makes things interesting. And I just, that's what I like to read and stuff. And she loves some of the more traditional ones, the way they are. They've been classics for hundreds of years because people love them. And we noticed at one point she was sending me some short story ideas and my feedback on all of them was like, what if you like flipped the genders or what if you made this one the boss and that one the... And she was like, you really said the same thing for all of them. And it was like flipping to the opposite. I think we have a pattern here, Jess. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, I guess I do. So I think that does help keep them a little more fresh with some things. But I don't always, you know, grumpy sunshine. She is the sunshine and he is the grumpy, which is the normal way that that one goes. But um, I do, you know, I made Justin's hobby is he bakes really fancy cakes and he loves that. And I, you know, just felt like that wouldn't be a typical hobby for someone like him, especially, you know, she calls him Dracula. He always seems grumpy. And then he's making these like fancy as sugary 
delights and she doesn't believe it at first when she hears about it and I just feel like it just makes me giggle so (laughs) that little wrench that just throws throws your perception of that stereotypical out the Mm -hmm. window oh yeah Mm -hmm. I know it can be like it can be tough with like even like gender swapping certain roles with tropes but it's like oh I've seen it done and when it's done like really well and it like really engages you it's like oh then you feel like you're reading a whole new story I feel like mm-hmm. it way. can be fun so, it really I can. had a lot of fun with um with Jewel and a girl's guide to the outback for that reason yeah. you know the sister is the farmer and you know her love interest is this vet who grew up next door but loves the coast loves the city when they get a flat tire she change it because he's a useless at it and like their dynamic just made me laugh the whole book <laughs> well that was like I feel like we got two books in one with that one definitely and it uh, was. <laughs> was oh yeah no it was and I love that I love the vet aspect too with like the farming animals because I feel like we don't see that a lot but like that mm-hmm. dynamic of how people can be put in close proximity often mm-hmm. <laughs> there is always a good idea <laughs> okay are there specific subgenres or tropes within the romantic comedy that you find particularly interesting or enjoyable to explore and is there one that you would probably never write yourself just to Ooh, throw yes to both questions <laughs> It's probably a good thing I didn't, I scanned the questions yesterday, but I didn't um, really latch onto this one because I would have obsessed about it all day making a really long list. So it's good that, it's good that didn't register in my mind. <laughs> um, I definitely love Opposites Attract. Um, I mean, it's in every single thing that I write. Enemies to Love is in almost every single thing that I write. I think I think one short story that I have out there is not actually Enemies to Love, but they are still at like cross purposes. She's trying to steal her mum's cookbook back and he's trying to convince her not to do that, <laughs> even though they're friends. So um, those are definitely big ones for me. Um, I love, the, it's not really a trope, but the deeper things, obviously a little bit of family, family. drama. Yeah. Yep. It's always it's always in there. But things that I, you know, haven't written that I like reading, fake dating. If it's done well, love, 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 love. Um and oh actually burnout as a theme is one that I quite enjoy. Like Sophie Kinsella's The Burnout I read recently and I really liked that yep and I feel like it's not an overt theme in Catherine Center's books but a few of them particularly sort of the lost husband had like and when I watched the movie and then read the book it kind of felt like um it was really about her recovering from grief but it also felt a little bit like her kind of recovering from burnout like she's getting out of the city and going to the country and finally taking a deep breath and I actually really enjoy that it's going to be a big thing in my next book and I've been thinking about it a lot Really, I feel like there's another one that it's like super, like relatable. I mean, I mean, you see so many stories about like you know the burnout can be so real, especially in this fast pace that I can see that being something that it's like I feel seen. (laughs) Good, I'm glad. I'm very excited to get to play with it. Yeah. So, but the other half of what you asked were the ones that I will probably never write. Okay, Um, that's a good one. 
I am not an Insta love person. And I know some people love that trope, you know, see each other across the room and just feel this massive thing for each other. And I think it comes down to my real life personality. I can't imagine it's never happened to me. I can't imagine it happening to me. I am too logical. I need to yeah. know people for a long time before I like them. <laughs> I'm very much like, you know, I need to build a foundation of like respect and trust and um and so and that's why I think that's why I gravitate actually to enemies to love because if they don't like each other they're not keeping up a facade it actually allows a great foundation for them to then find things they really respect about each other and then go from there um whereas I'm like insta love I'm like no but your your guards are up you're faking it and I'm just I'm authenticity is a big thing for me so I don't find it maybe if I found it interesting I, the only way I'd find it interesting would be to flip it like insta love then massive ripping away of the facades and so it would probably go from insta love to hate and then back to love if I ever did it yeah that's it I remember here um, there was one like bookstagrammer who was like if what your favorite tropes tell you know about your own psychology and then about like mm-hmm. Enemies to lovers, they love it. The, even the idea of like, okay, I know what this person is like, even mm-hmm. when I don't like them at my worst, when I'm not having anything out, and we can still work through things. And I really think there's something to that about like what your personality puts value in. So yeah, hundred fifty percent. And also, I think if if people experienced it's love in real life they're more open to reading about it yeah. whereas I'm just like mm, I, just, I don't even know if I'm capable of that <laughs> well, I know I feel like it definitely goes down to personality type I know an author and I've interviewed her and she goes oh yep it happened with me and my husband and she she loves to write it she loves to read it and it's like okay you know <laughs> it's just a little bit like <laughs> it's hard it's hard to think to go to like the big love mm-hmm. yeah that's hard I need to fight first. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, so, well, I guess this is kind of a little bit on the same. The next question is a little bit on the same thing. How do you feel like your background and your personal experience has really influenced your themes in romantic comedies? Oh, well, there are the obvious ones. Ashley is a small town newspaper journalist and I was a small town newspaper journalist. <laughs> Although that was over 10 years ago and I did actually have to talk to current journalists to get up to speed on a few things to her book because um, it's changed so much that I was out of date. Um, I grew up I grew up on farms out of small towns, but small towns were the closest civilization to us. I had a big family in those small towns, although my experience was much better than Justin's one, but um, it was something that I was familiar with. So there's kind of those obvious things that... Um, that are there and like actually I'm an extroverted chatterbox um I feel like I kind of took my real personality and I split it into two halves and one half is Ashley and the other half is Justin (laughs) and I made them fall in love which I don't know what that says about me it feels like a bit of a Loki move but anyway (laughs) um so yeah so that would be kind of like, as she's like a small town journalist, how do you feel like with journalism changing so much and like everything going digital and obviously she's like the whole small town aspect, how did you feel like you worked like those challenges into it? Because I mean, 
how quickly everything changes but then you still have the nostalgic of the small town how do you feel like you work that um I worked it in pretty quickly because her business gets in trouble real fast I think it's by the end of scene one <laughs> maybe scene three <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's it's really just that she's um, – her her paper, as she's bought it, was from someone who was not doing well financially and so she crunches the numbers and knows that she needs to take it to an online format and sort of change how it goes. It won't be a physical paper anymore, which is what's happening with a lot of small town papers all across the place if they're not just disappearing entirely. So, um, and but her town doesn't like change. <laughs> so they get very mad, led by Justin's grandmother, who has sort of owned a lot of the businesses in town, and they boycott her. Um, and so she's not getting any advertising from those businesses, and so she starts to struggle pretty quickly. Um, and so, yeah, those are all just real things in the industry. And I know how much when I was at the paper, you know how much of our work came from just the supermarkets and the real estate. If you take those out, then you're in big trouble. So, yeah, it was easy to imagine that she could run into some real difficulty with a few people on the wrong side of things. As And especially compounded with this whole small town aspect. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can I can see how that would be a big hurdle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the town I grew up in, my grandparents moved there in 93. And if you ask people, are they locals? They'll say, oh, well, they moved here 30 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't born here. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be born or at least have gone to school in a a small place to be from there. So That's funny. So what challenges, like, were there any other, like, particular challenges or places that you really had to dive into some research when writing drive you crazy oh research i am historically a lazy researcher who just writes the book and then gets the draft and finds a bunch of people who know about the topic and send it to them and say what issues do you see please tell me what to fix um there is a little bit i had to do up front which is mainly just sort of updating my journalism knowledge but I'm also, because I'm a lazy researcher, I tend to write about jobs I've had in the past or my family members have had, so it doesn't require too much upfront research. And the next one I'm looking at is the first one where it's really outside my wheelhouse and I'm going to have to find some other people up front and do actual research, which I'm like, oh, fuck. Right. <laughs> 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 so you're the that got, gets caught up in, like, pretty much developing a doctorate just based on even a tiny bit I just I look at a few websites and then I I really just talk to people you know I might interview I mean when I did girls guide the migraines were a bit easier you know you just did a bit of online research for like what Justin's going through and then I did um, a couple of my beta readers were people who experienced migraines so I ran it past them and and they basically said yep that's that's what it's like so that was good to confirm um it was a little more different when i did uh, my last book girls guide to the outback and sam had dyslexia which i've never experienced and no one in my family has so i ended up finding about um maybe i can't remember exactly how many people um i found a bunch of people and i interviewed them was the main way i did research i did a bit of online reading but i really just 
found um, there's actually great online communities on Facebook. You can just literally look up like a dyslexia support community and then put a post up and say, hey, guys, I'm writing a book. Anyone want to talk to me? And a bunch of people do. And you just chat to them about their experience. And that's great. Like I got some, I learned a lot out of that. And a lot of the details of that same friend's experience came straight from those people. So that was really good. I bet that's so, and putting it in like their own terms, it's not like you're having to read like a textbook of stuff. It's like yeah. in people's own words, what they're experiencing. I can imagine mm-hmm. that that's really, that's a really great idea. Yeah. Hmm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't want to read the textbook. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <clears throat> so do you feel like there's a part of Drive You Crazy that you think readers will find particularly like memorable? maybe the scene where they get stuck in a closet together (laughs) well they're actually hiding in the closet together they're avoiding his grandma but yeah (laughs) closet scenes yes I have like I can remember quite a few closet scenes that I've read and those are always ones that stand out I guess it's pretty fun it's almost like its own little trope stuck together in a small room you know it's yeah it is it is it's it's a good fun moment (laughs) No, that sounds really great. So, and um, I didn't write it down. When does Drive You Crazy release? It releases on Leap Day, the 29th of February. So I had told people I was going to release in February and I gave myself the maximum amount of time to get organized. And uh, also I thought I didn't like really think about this until I saw that it was a leap year this year. I was like, what? The movie, you know, Leap Year, which, I mean, gets panned by the critics, but there's so many people who just love it because it's just fun. It takes all those fun tropes. It's great. Um, And, I mean, it's about two people who don't like each other driving in a car. So I was like, well, look at that. So many parallels. I'm going to get so many social media mileage out of this. So that's great. I love Leap Year. I know. I, I remember reading, like, I read the reviews first, and it's like, oh, well, I'll watch it for myself. And I'm like, this is great. Like, it felt like it's a classic <laughs> rom-com-ish. Oh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that one. I felt like that one was, like, really well done. Yeah. That is love awesome. It. And are you self-publishing this, or is it? I am, which is part of why it's taken so long as well. So I've had to learn all the things. I'm still learning all the things. I'm wrestling with Ingram Spark still, but we're going to get there very shortly. Now that my identity is verified, I am actually able to access my account. <laughs> but, yep, we're going to get it worked out, and it's going to be online by the 29th. So a few people have asked me, you can pre-order the ebook right now. They've asked me, can you pre-order the print one? I It should be able to soon um that i just need to get some things figured out and then i will get it online that sounds great okay um so where else can listeners follow with you do you have any plans for the other one are you just going to take it one step at a time for for the book after it um one step at a time we will see see how long i take Ah, I have a history of being slow. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, to try and kind of not leave people completely without anything to read, I've also been doing some short story releases or part of short story collections. I was a part of a New Year's Kiss 
last year where we um, had a big giveaway and basically everybody won the prize. They all got a copy of A New Year's Kiss, which was nine short stories by um, some awesome authors in our genre. And we will be putting it, uh, or uh, most of the stories, on Amazon sometime soon-ish once I get this figured out, hopefully. And um, there are plans for other short story things, which we can't officially announce yet, but stuff is in the works. So um, it won't be four years until anyone reads another piece of my writing. There will be bits in between and I'll try and get the next one to you as soon as I can. But we will see. <laughs> no, this is great. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. I told you last time, you're like, oh, you were worried about being slow. It's like, hey we're here we're still reading i'm so glad (laughs) so and then where where can listeners follow you so you can follow me the best place is to sign up to my newsletter where you get some of those free short stories i was talking about there um when i say short stories they're all short romances there's a kiss in every one it's usually enemies to love in some way um and so if you sign up at jessiedkatewriting.com then you'll see all that jazz or if you find me on my insta at just Kate writing then um there's a link in the link through there too i think same for facebook um and there's actually a short story prequel that is free to drive you crazy so you you don't actually have to wait to you know read about shenanigans happening in amity creek um <laughs> it's called the rival kiss it's on amazon right now and it's free and it's um, a prequel about sort of two of the side characters in Driving You Crazy. It's about how their love story starts and then you see a little bit more of them in Driving You Crazy. And then there's a little short sequel called The Frenemy Kiss that comes afterwards and it will release the same day as the full novel. So oh, wow. that's a bit fun. Yeah, no, you, you read a very good short story. I've, like, oh, thank I've, you. I've read a, a few of them and I'm like, okay, yeah, you get give us all those little things. In a very I small and, Yes, I try and condense the emotional experience of an entire novel into 20 pages. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Um, and looking forward to congratulations on your third book and hopefully many more to come. Thank you. I'm so excited. The day is finally here. And it's been so much fun talking to you about it. Yay. Oh, yeah. Okay, until next time. Till next time. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. I sure I always enjoy talking with Kate and this time was no exception. You can go back and listen to some of our earlier conversations in previous episodes. And if you enjoy this podcast, give us a rating or let us know on Instagram what you would like to see in the future on this on this podcast until next time may your tbr be unending